0: good morning welcome to worship the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all please join me in praying the prayer of the day O God God, our our leader leader and guide guide, in in the the waters waters of of baptism baptism, you bring bring us us to new birth to to live as as your children children. strengthen Strengthen our our faith in your promises promises, that by by your spirit we may may lift lift up up your life life to all the world to your Son, Jesus Christ, Christ, our Savior Savior and Lord, Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, Spirit. one God, now now and forever. Amen. Our Holy Gospel today is from the third chapter of John, beginning at verse 1. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, We know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered him and said, I tell you, You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. I invite you to join me as we pray together the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation this morning. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Gospel lesson starts off today. Our Gospel reading today starts off, A man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. I want to uh, give you a little brief refresher, give you a little bit of a uh, reminder about this whole history of Pharisaism. Um, Remember that big, huge volume book that I had out here a couple weeks ago, that IDB, the Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible? Well, I've been doing a little bit more delving into uh, another section this week, and it has to do with the whole uh, development of who the Pharisees are. We know that in the time of Jesus, this is straight from the Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible now, so whatever I'm telling you, it's from an authoritative uh, scholarly source. We know that in the time of Jesus, that the Pharisees believed that history was divinely controlled and that it was governed by a divine purpose. We also know that the Pharisees, they were considered at that time, they were considered the most accurate interpreters of the laws, and that they held the position of the leading religious sect. We also know from these various biblical scholars who have done a lot of um, digging into the history of Pharisees, the, the Pharisaic religious sect, that There was a period of about 200 years before Jesus that there was a lot of tension between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. So, I mean, just give you a little bit more of history. You know, we we know that obviously the Israelites were in uh, wandering for a long time, 40 years. And prior to them being out in this wilderness experience, their life centered around the temple. That was their religious faith life. It revolved around the temple, and those people, these priests and these people that were um, basically the religious sect of that time, that was, they were known as the Sadducees. And then once there was once now that they were out in the desert, they were templeless. They no longer had a temple. And so one of the things that happened over this period of time then is that this other religious sect called the Pharisees, they became the more prominent voice because they were the ones that kept lifting up the Torah and the law and how we need to live by these various uh, laws and these various rules and regulations in order to live together in community together. Well, that was the tension. And this tension... Had had really developed pretty significantly about for 200 years prior to Jesus. It was known as the tension between the temple and the Torah. It was the priestly caste, primarily the Sadducees, representing temple life, and the Torah represented by the Pharisees. And because of their prominence, this is even though it sounds strange to say this, they were known at that time as the new center of power and authority when it came to how we, how we express ourselves in our faith, in our religiosity. So we have this person now, Nicodemus, whose entire life, his entire life, has been dedicated and driven by this strict adherence to the law. And the lens through which Nicodemus sees people and interprets is strictly through the law and through the interpretation and adherence to the law. Kind of a one-dimensional faith, wouldn't you say? Pastor Al, in our Tuesday morning men's fellowship, summed it up pretty succinctly. He said, Nicodemus had a one-dimensional faith. He had a one-dimensional religion. Actually, Pastor Al said it slightly differently because he was talking about in thinking about it from our perspective and how we hear that, he says we can't make it on a one-dimensional faith. I wonder, though, I do seriously wonder, though, whether this encounter with Jesus, if it was the beginning of the wind, if it was the beginning of the Spirit, if it was the beginning of of the breath of God starting to stir in Nicodemus' life. Gary, who was it talking about this morning? Don't, we won't mention names. He was talking about the Spirit working this morning, but he said in order for the Spirit to work, you've got to get your, get your feet moving. Maybe that song has something to do with this today too. Part of being stirred by the Spirit is moving your feet. And I do really wonder if this was now the beginning. Maybe it had been going on for a long time. We just don't know. But I would like to believe and I would like to think that this is the beginning of that breath, of that wind. It's the beginning of the Spirit of God starting to stir in Nicodemus' life. And I, I, I wonder if Nicodemus was a man who perhaps more than once in his life, sensed the wind and sensed the Spirit and caused him to ask the question, is there more to life? Is there more to life than just adhering to the traditions and the laws of the faith? I cannot help but think that he must have thought that and really pondered that. And now he's face to face with Jesus. You know, we floated a lot of ideas around this past week in our men's fellowship group. And I can tell you that there were more questions than there were answers. One of the questions that was surfaced was, how important of a role does the Spirit play in our life of faith? And pretty much all of us agreed that Nicodemus was seeking something more, obviously. Someone said that we need an incarnational faith. And what this person meant by an incarnational faith is that we need a faith that's reflected not only in belief, but also in action. We talked some about the working of the Spirit in the Old Testament. And lo and behold, someone piped up pretty quickly and said, well, you know, the very first place uh, where we see the Spirit at work is at the very beginning in the Genesis story. It says that God breathed the Spirit in the Hebrew language. It's ruach." I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that's the way I remember it being taught to me in seminary. Ruach, the breath of God, was breathed into the man. And then someone else piped up. We were also kind of thinking about and reflecting on the other passages today. And someone piped up and said that that Abraham, the only way Abraham could have led is by having the Spirit within him. And someone else asked, "Where has God been most real to you?" Uh, I can tell you that this past Tuesday, that was probably the fastest and the quickest that hour has ever gone by for me, because there was this constant conversation; it just never stopped. You know, this this passage really drummed up a lot of thought, and don't you think so, Bud? It was it was pretty amazing this past Tuesday I mean it was all of a sudden it was like nine o'clock and before we knew it it was already 10 after 10 and we're going hey we got to stop talking now it's time for us to go home the more I think about and reflect upon this encounter I believe that this was the spirit of God beginning to influence the faith wanderings and the faith wanderings of Nicodemus's life and in many respects, we really don't know the final outcome of the spirit working in Nicodemus' life. And that's part of the frustrating thing that I've oftentimes said to you about these these biblical accounts is that we never hear the rest of the story. You know, we, we just know that Jesus encountered and, and met with all of these various people throughout his life, and yet we don't really know where things ended up for them. Although we do know, we do know that Nicodemus still kept lingering, that he still kept hanging around because he shows up again in the seventh chapter of John where he actually is defending Jesus because these other Pharisees are you know, basically saying, hey, who is this dude and what is he teaching and uh, you know, what, we should be doing something about this. Nicodemus jumps in, he says, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? So we have this little piece there where we know that Nicodemus was just kind of out there lingering around, and we also find out much later after Jesus' death that it was Nicodemus who was the one who provided the burial spices for Jesus' body. I really truly believe that the Spirit was still blowing, that the breath of God is still lingering in Nicodemus' life because of his encounter with Jesus. There's two other things that stand out in this passage today. One of the words that Jesus speaks when he says, you must be born again. I've mentioned this before. That phrase can actually be interpreted not only as born again, but it can also be interpreted as born from above or also as born anew. And the implication in the way in which that is said, it indicates that this is something that it happens repeatedly, over and over and over again. And that it's something that happens to us that it's something that happens to us, yes, even us Lutherans, that we have this experience of being born anew, born again, born from above, and it happens in our life every single day. So the next time you run into one of your uh, more conservative um, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ who walks up to you and goes, have you been born again? You know, I mean, how many times have you run into people who have asked you that. I mean, I, I, I've, I've had that happen to me m- numerous times. More times than I can count. Have you been born again? On what day and date did you accept the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into your life? It's, it's kind of that same, same avenue. But the reality is, we are born anew every day. And you can say that to them. You can respond with absolute courage, with absolute confidence. You can say... Yes, I've been born again. And I'm born again today. And I'm going to be born again tomorrow. And I'm going to be born again the next day because the Spirit of God is continually calling me back to Him every single day. You know, we're born again every day. It shouldn't be something that makes us feel uncomfortable. It should be something that we can say with absolute confidence that we are born anew. I like what Reverend Janet Hunt says. And she expressed it this way. She says, maybe, maybe if we understand our daily birthing, our daily living, and yes, even our daily dying. And if we live like it is so, that perhaps then every day is another opportunity to live in this endless possibility of where grace and hope flourishes in our life. She then goes on, she says, maybe then every day is new. New as it is to those who are just born. Have you thought about that at all recently? I mean, that you get up every morning and you go, I am born anew again today. I am born again today. I get to start all over again today. I don't know about you, but I I need to hear that. I need to hear that the Spirit, it's constantly blowing, that I can be born anew every day, and that every day is full of endless possibilities where grace reigns and hope flourishes. I need to hear that I am born anew every day. The second thing that stands out for me as I've reflected upon this passage is the promise that Jesus speaks in verses 16 and 17. It's that verse that all of us know by heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son; whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Martin Luther, we all know who Martin Luther is. He said it is the totality of the gospel in miniature. It's the totality of the gospel in a nutshell. If you need to, if if if, if you can't remember anything else at all about the gospel story, all you got to do is remember John 3, 16 and 17. It is the gospel right there. Everything and anything that you need to know about the gospel of Jesus and why he came into the world, it's right there in those two verses. And one of the things that we need to hear and we need to realize is that our eternal life, this eternal life that Jesus is talking about, this eternal life, it's already happening That we are living into our eternal life right now. I read multiple source materials that came to the same conclusion. The Greek word for eternal is "ionios," And it means age-like or having the quality describing a particular age or period of time. And according to one of my other Greek concordances, it says that this eternal life, it is operates simultaneously outside of time, inside of time, and beyond time. It does not focus, per se, on that future, but rather on the quality of the age it relates to, even now. Thus, it says, believers live in eternal life right now, that we are experiencing the quality of God's life now in the present possession i mean doesn't that have you, when was the last time you thought about that does that not change your perspective on life to know and to believe and i think that's the hard part we can know it we can we can be head smart about it and we can hear it but does our heart say that we can believe it to know and to believe and to have the faith to believe that our eternal life is already happening you know, I don't know how many times I've stood in this pulpit during a memorial or a funeral service, and I've said that this person has simply continued on living. This person has just continued on in a different life, other than the one that they had—the the, the privilege and the honor to live. That that life that they had here on earth—it's just—it's continuing on. It, it doesn't stop. And I think that's what that really means. It is kind of mind-boggling, and it's kind of mysterious. And yet, at the same time, it's comforting and it's assuring at the same time that our eternal life, it's already happening now. I mean, doesn't that change your whole entire perspective on life and how you approach life and how you live your life to know that right now you're living out your eternal life in the very present earthly body that you have and that it's going to continue on to live forever i think we can be thankful we can be thankful for the questioning of nicodemus today and to the working of the wind to the working of the spirit in nicodemus's life because this story reminds us again that in the incarnate God in Jesus, that this faith life that we live, that it cannot be caged, it cannot be captured, and it cannot be one-dimensional. That God's Spirit is still flowing in and out of the lives of people. And I think it's an invitation for us to embrace that and to embrace that mystery of how that Spirit is moving and blowing and In living through our lives. And I think we should be thankful too for this Nicodemus story today. A man who was steeped in tradition and formulaic faith, who Jesus extended the invitation to have the gift of love and grace in his life. He was inviting Nicodemus to live a multi-dimensional faith perspective. And finally, I think that we should be thankful for this text before us today, this Nicodemus encounter, because you and I are reminded again today by Jesus through this that being born again, that being born anew is something that can happen every day of our lives and that eternal life is already happening and that we are living into our eternal life right now. Amen. I invite you to pray now the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, May God, who has called us forth from the dust of the earth and claimed us as children of the light, strengthen you on your journey into life renewed. Today, tomorrow, and as long as we live to be and to fellowship with Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.